to Menopause Morph, your time to change. We're here to help you thrive through your menopause, bringing you experts in many fields to help you from perimenopause to menopause and beyond to become the strong, vibrant woman nature intended you to be. Hosted by Pauline McCarthy of the Pearls of Pauline. Pearls of wisdom, compassion, and joy. Hello, welcome to this week's Menopause Morph. Today we have a lovely lady from British Columbia in Canada. Her name is Josia Tamira Crossley. Josia is a body wisdom mentor and founder of reviveradianthealth.com. She supports women all over the world to reclaim joy and vitality from the impacts of chronic stress. Josia is passionate about mentoring her clients to move through the deeper levels of healing and step into their most radiant health and phenomenal power. An honours graduate of the Edison Institute of Nutrition, and she also believes in supporting her clients' transformation with nutrition grounded in ancient tradition and modern science. Her other name is Mom to her gorgeous eight-year-old boy, and she's also an avid gardener, yogi, meditator, and loves dancing, playing ultimate frisbee, swimming in the freezing cold Canadian Ocean, and listening to the birds in the morning. So, welcome, Josia. Uh, thank you so much, Pauline. It's great to be here with you today, and thanks for that beautiful introduction. <laughs> thank you. Well, your, to- your topic today is about three steps to healing chronic stress, and stress is something that a lot of menopausal women go through. I mean, of course, everybody goes through stress to a certain degree, but I think when we're going through our menopause, especially if we have a lot of symptoms, it's like there seems to be stress from all over our, you know, our parents are aging, maybe they're ill and, you know, we're having brain fog and hot flashes and maybe it's difficult at work. And then we're maybe having a lack of libido and we're not really interested in sex. And the husband is like, "Ah," you know, so, and the kids are teenagers and like, oh my goodness, the stress from every angle. (laughs) I think, yeah, absolutely. I think our Mm -hmm. listeners will be very interested to hear how they can cope with the stress because it is really, I think what I have noticed is that stress makes menopausal symptoms worse, especially hot flashes. Yes, absolutely. It absolutely does. There's a really, so there's a really strong connection there between our hormones, especially, you know, as women and our stress level. And, um, yeah, what happens is kind of like as our, our, and it's not necessarily the stress itself, but it's our, our ability to cope with stress and how our nervous system is wired to cope with stress yeah. that affects, that's going to affect our, our cortisol levels, right? Because cortisol is our stress hormone. Mm-hmm. And cortisol has a, bit, a huge effect on all the rest of our, our hormones uh, and our, our whole endocrine system, exactly. uh, especially as women. So, yeah. So, you, so I'm you really happy your... to be sharing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) So you call yourself the body wisdom mentor. So what led you to become that? What led you into that work of life? Life of work? Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I call myself the body wisdom mentor because what I've found is that there's a really strong link between our ability to cope with stress, right? So, how how our nervous system is literally wired to cope with stress. And the way that we 
the way that we hold stress in our body and the way that we may be holding stress in our body that actually comes from, you know, not necessarily the present moment even, but something that's happened long ago in the past. And so, yeah, so I'd love to share with your listeners a little bit about my story. So I have, I have a, a very vivid memory of being about 10 years old and uh, looking into my mom's eyes and she's, she's screaming at me. And I'm looking into her eyes and what I can see is like, she's not even there. So it's this memory of her, you know, her eyes being just vacant, you know, she's not there fully. And I remember, you know, as a child feeling so scared and just wanting to find somewhere to hide or to, you know, to run away. Right. And that real, that real high adrenaline um, place. And um, in my situation, there, there wasn't anywhere to run and there wasn't, there wasn't anywhere to hide. And I know that probably many of you out there can can uh, resonate with that experience of maybe having having a parent or someone else yeah what what age was your mother at that that time so yeah my mom would be would have been uh, going through menopause at that time mm-hmm. and um, she she was in her well let me see uh, she would have been yeah in her in her 40s and in her early 40s and so she was definitely in that perimenopause period and um and I'm gonna I'm gonna be talking a little bit about you know what what was going on for her there but 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 I also just want to you know connect connect everyone who's listening out there into our own experience of just having you know maybe been children in situations that weren't completely safe and where you know there may have been a parent that was out of control or just uh maybe a, a situation where you were either experiencing directly or witnessing violence or just an out of control situation. And so, you know, so what happened for me and what happens for us as children when we're put in these situations where there's nowhere to run and there's nowhere to hide is we end up freezing. So we go into the state where our nervous system is literally overwhelmed and a part of us gets frozen there. And so for me, what ended up happening is, you know, that being frozen in that that situation where I, I, what I really, what my system really wanted to do was run or hide or, you know, get away. Being frozen there is what resulted in over 10 years of trying to hide and trying to run away. My system actually kind of being stuck in that place. And I know for some of you listening, you know, it may have been a lot longer than that, that you've been, been stuck in a place like that, you know, maybe 15, maybe 20, maybe 30, maybe even 50 years. And for many people, you know, this is how long it takes before they, they have someone, you know, speak to them about this or, or start to touch on this stuff. And the truth is that some people never get there. You know, in fact, most people die never having healed the core wounds, that trauma that holds them back from becoming you know, expressing who we're actually capable of being in this lifetime and our full capacity as as humans to, you know, be in this alert, relaxed state that is actually our birthright. You know, so I want to, I'm kind of on a mission to get this information out there and, and help people get connected with, you know, the this recognizing that a lot of our stress can be coming from stuff that happened a long time ago and and it's totally possible to heal that and to come to to really come back into to who we who we are um what our birthright is which is you know I believe joy and vitality and feeling good in our bodies and and a state of well-being exactly yeah yeah hmm. so tell yeah. us so your so, story then tell us a little bit more about your yeah. story yeah yeah and so so what happened for me was in my running 
I ran into an answer because, you know, while I was, uh, while I was running, there was something, you know, and trying to hide and, you know, not fully settling into my, my potential as a being because I was running and hiding. I ran into the answer, you know, because I was also seeking, I was, I was seeking something. There was something in my spirit that wanted to heal and that knew there was more possible. And so I end up running into my mentor and when I ran into her, <laughs> she met me where I was and she said, you know, I see you, I feel you, I get where you've been and I can show you how to come home to yourself. And she didn't exactly say that directly, but that was, you know, what I felt from her when I, when I met her. And so, you know, I know that, you know, whether, whether you find yourself, you know, in those hard moments today, you know, in, in your life right now where you might be shutting down to being able to connect with the people in your relationships where, you know, you just get so caught up in emotion or out of control. And, you know, I've, I've totally been in that place. So you're not alone. And, and I know that place actually like really intimately well, <laughs> because I've been there and I've, I lived through that for many years, that kind of turmoil and just like constantly running and not able to fully just be with myself. And so this is part of what happens when we've experienced trauma in our, in our lives and, uh, and haven't had the tools, the tools to work with it, right. And to heal it. And uh, yeah, we can end up, you know, going into that place of shutdown, losing control, getting stuck in depression or anxiety. And, and, you know, sometimes we might even get to a point where we feel like we just can't, we can't even go on like that. Right. And so, so, you know, I was really, really fortunate to, you know, through my seeking, find, uh, find my, my mentor. And, you know, I did have a few mentors along the way. And, um, and, but when I met Elizabeth Claire Burr, who was kind of my main, main mentor in the work that I do now, things really started to shift for me. And, and then I discovered the work of Peter Levine, who some of you may have heard of, uh, the somatic experiencing. He's the founder of that work. And when I, when I ran into, uh, to that work, my world really started to open up. So even, you know, I've been doing yoga for many, many years and, and, but the, when I, when I started to get connected with this work, the way I did yoga even actually changed. So I started to get what it meant to really listen to my body and to understand, you know, what it was needing in any given moment. Right. And so, so I started to then, you know, integrate this work with, with my yoga and with the energy work I'd been using for my own self-healing and with, and with my clients for over 10 years already. But this was, you know, this piece, this body wisdom piece was what really started to bring me home. And, um, you know, I finally stopped running. And with the support of Elizabeth, my mentor, and some other incredible mentors and teachers, I was finally able to just really get curious about what was happening with me. You know, I could, st I, st I could stop and, and get curious, you know, why was I losing my equilibrium, my sense of equilibrium? And some of you who, who are going through menopause now may be able to resonate with that, right? Losing your sense of equilibrium over the smallest things, right? Things that other people might, to other people might be no big deal or, you know, something they just roll with mm -hmm. were knocking me off my center. Yeah. And that so I really started to understand. There's a sock on the floor, like, ah, he left a sock on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Or, you know, like, you get a phone call or whatever. You know, it's like these things that, like, when we're centered in ourselves and when we're, when we're connected to our, our essence, we, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter, but it's like the smallest, the smallest things can, 
can really affect us when we're in a state where we're already in that heightened state of stress, right? And, you know, as we start to get more and more connected to the wisdom of our body and to be able to just like listen and witness, you know, what's happening from that kind of taking a step back place, then like big things can happen and we can, we can start to be able to, you know, it doesn't affect us as much, right? So we really start to, it's almost like a, like a rocking horse, you know, it's like, it's like the, the wider the, the base, the more stability it has, right? Um, so, yeah, and so, so just, you know, even having that kind of intellectual understanding of the possibility here, you know, knowledge, knowledge can begin to be, to, it, it, knowledge is power, right? And so it can, can help to just have this, this intellectual understanding of, um, you know, of how the stress response works in the body and, um, and, and that the body is our messenger of, of, you know, deeper things happening, Right. And when we start to have an understanding of what is actually happening and then, you know, we, we, when we have the tools to enter the situation with awareness, we can actually start to make change. And so, yeah. So, I mean, now I'm at this point in my world where when difficult things happen, like even when crisis hits, as you know, it inevitably does in all our lives, sometimes big stuff happens, right? That's life. And, you know, maybe things get tough for a bit or, you know, maybe somebody, some random person decides to throw their stress at me or maybe my partner's acting in a way that doesn't feel good to me or maybe my son is being impossibly difficult, right? You know, teenagers, any of you who have teenagers, I'm sure you're dealing with some of that, right? And so these things, things you know, these things happen, right? And, and you know, even, even when, even in the most ideal life, we're still going to have stress, right? And so it's not about like not having stress. And, you know, even, even for me now, when big stuff happens, I may still have that adrenaline rise in my body, you know, your heart rate speeds up a bit and you go, Oh, you know, like you feel that, that stress response. And so, yeah, you know, I still get triggered too, right? I still get stressed sometimes, but the difference is that now I have the tools to work with whatever comes up, right? So to get curious about it instead of going, Oh no, it's like, Oh yes. Like, what is that? And take a look at what's really happening. And, you know, rather than being controlled by my reaction and kind of spiraling into it, I get to make a choice. I get to make a choice about how I respond. Exactly. And yeah, and you can have that too. So yeah. And so, you know, I think especially as women, you know, we, we tend to be, our tendency is to want to take care of everybody else first, exactly. right? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's a, this innate biological thing where, you know, we're caretakers. And so, and part of that, you know, is that, you know, back when we were, you know, if you believe in the theory of evolution, back when we were like living tribally, you know, living out in the wild in nature, right? Without cities and, you know, <laughs> all these layers of things that protect us when we were living in a tribal way, having people close to us, like having friendships and connections and, and relationships that was necessary for survival. And so, you know, so that caretaking response in a way, it's like a survival response for us as women and men, men are a bit different. They're, they're wired a little bit differently, but as women, when we get stressed our we actually have this, this tendency, it's, it's called tend and befriend to like reach out and see who else we can take care of. And so, you know, not that there's, I mean, connection is, connection is critical for us as women. We do need to have those relationships that are, that where we support other people. We also need to make sure that we're mutually benefiting from those relationships. And, you know, fundamentally for every single one of us, whether, whether we're men or women, our primary relationship is with ourselves. 
And so we're the only one, you know, you're the only one who's always going to be there for you. And so we need to take care of ourselves first, right? And this is a bit of a radical concept for women, you know, but even even like the airline, the airlines know that, you know, you get on an airplane and what's the first thing they say to you in the event of an emergency when the oxygen mask comes down, please be sure you put the oxygen mask on yourself first before assisting another passenger, right? Exactly. And so this is this is a big one for for many of us as women and especially I think you know, I'm only 33 and so I haven't actually gone through menopause myself yet, but I've I've been witness to my mom <laughs> as I shared with you and a lot of my clients going through menopause. And what I know is that when we come into this time, it's like our bodies are going through a transition. I like to look at all of the transitions that we go through as women in our lives as kind of like an initiation. So it's like, you know, when we first start menstruating, it's like, whoa, bleeding every month and like the hormonal cycle that comes with that. That's that's something that, you know, men don't have to deal with. And it's it's a it's a it's an intense thing. You know, there's an energy that comes with that. And then giving birth, you know, not not all of us give birth, but if you do give birth in your lifetime, that's I look at that as an initiation too, you know, because in order to give birth in a healthy way, there's a, there's a lot of emotional work that needs to happen. You know, you got to be able to like surrender to that process of birthing and, uh, and then raising children, right? You think that they call it, I always asked, you know, why did, why do they call it labor? <laughs> why do they say you're in labor when you're like in the birth process? Because actually the labor begins once the baby's out of the womb, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, you know, we go through these and so menopause is like another it's like another initiation. It's a time where anything that we haven't dealt with yet in terms of our own wounding, our own trauma that that's happened to us in our lives, anything that we haven't addressed, our body's going to start to get loud about that. And it's going to it's going to show us all these symptoms, you know, hot flashes, you know, the mood swings and, uh, you know, give me some more, Pauline, what's the stuff that you that we experience? Through Lack of libido, when, brain fog, like, <laughs> memory yeah. loss. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. So the body, I like to look at the body as a messenger, you know, and so the menopause is a time when when if there's things that we haven't, you know, if we haven't been you know, ad- addressing our emotions, or if we haven't been like fully taking care of ourselves, that the body's going to really start talking to us in that time. And so, you know, it's an opportunity to to really do some deeper healing. And so, yeah. how did, how, did so, you, how did you heal yourself when you had this trauma? So, what? Yeah, and so the way that I the, the the way that I work with my clients now, and kind of the way that I've I've broken down the process of what I did to be able to 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 shift things for myself. It's a three-step process. And um, the first step is what I call body wisdom resourcing. And so most of us walk around through our day and we don't even notice if we're hungry. You know, we may not notice, like all of you listening out there, just tune in right now. Notice your shoulders. Are you holding your shoulders up a little bit more than you need to? Just what happens when you tune into your shoulders. Just notice your breath. Your breath you or know, your breast? Trying... <laughs> your breath. <laughs> well, you can just go ahead and tune right into both of them. I did okay. say your breath. <laughs> but I mean, our breaths, you know, are something that often actually like we hold tension in our shoulders in, in kind of a protective way. Uh, to, you know, hunching over to protect the, the chest, the heart, the breast area, right? Mm-hmm. So... So it is, you know, so there's, there's all these ways that we, we kind of don't notice just what we're, habits that we're, that we're holding in our body. And so, so the first step to really, uh, to healing and to, you know, to, 
to releasing stress that we're holding on to in our bodies is to start to, to get connected to our body as a resource and as a messenger, right? So, so just starting to be able to listen and to be able to actually hear what our body is, is telling us because our bodies, our body is a guide, you know, our body lets us know when we're hungry, our body lets us know when we need to uh, sleep, right? And so if when we start to actually honor the body and listen to these messages a little bit more fully, even if, you know, even if you can't necessarily eat right at the moment when your body tells you that you're hungry, the body loves to be acknowledged. So even just, you know, coming in and going, oh, yeah, I'm hungry and I do need to eat like sometime soon. And thank you for letting me know, body. And I'm going to do that, you know, rather than just going just going, oh, I'm just going to like pretend that I'm not hungry because I have to finish these like 10 items on my to do list first. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so like, just to acknowledge give like, the body um, that Sorry, um, when you were talking about listening to your body, sometimes we get pain and we just kind of work through it. and We don't really listen to it. And then later on, we get uh. we get end up with chronic pain because we haven't sorted that initial pain in the beginning to find out what is the root cause of it. And oftentimes you go to the doctor and they just give you pain medication, which takes the pain away, but it doesn't find out what, what caused that pain in the first place. And if you don't you know solve that solution this it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger so it's like a warning bell exactly. that we don't listen exactly. to exactly exactly and sometimes sometimes that pain arises as emotional pain as well right and yes. so yeah so actually i'd love to share this little story about my client ellen and she's she's giving me permission to to share this story so she, uh, so just so you know, full permission, like I don't talk about anyone <laughs> yes. who hasn't told me that I can talk about them. But sometimes, you know, people have such a, a dramatic transformation that it's like, wow, yeah, you can totally, totally share that because it's inspiring for, for other people. So, nice, nice. so when Ellen came to me, she was experiencing chronic pain and she'd had a car accident. And so a, a few years before, and so she was pretty sure that, that that chronic pain was connected with this car accident that she'd had. And, um, and I've seen this, I, I love this story as an example, because I've actually seen this like so many times repeatedly with different clients. So we started to work with that pain. And what we found out was, yeah, the car accident had happened, but that that pain was actually tied back to some emotional pain held, that was being held in the body that was connected to something that had happened to her as a child. Okay. And so what I've seen is that, you know, when we don't address these, these deeper pieces, this, this childhood trauma, right? Mm-hmm. When we don't address the, the emotional pain, that it's almost like we become a magnet for, you know, things to happen in our lives that, like, make it more intense, like the car accident that she had. You know, and often that will it will manifest in the form of relationships that are, you know, maybe we we marry somebody who's like similar to our dad or our mom. Right. And and treats us the same way. And so it's like and, you know, we can kind of look at it like, oh, like, why do I keep manifesting this? Why do I keep having the same thing happen in my life? And the way that I like to look at it is, you know, it's not that it's not that you're you need to be stuck there. It's that you're going to keep magnetizing that because the universe wants you to heal. And so the universe is like going to keep giving you that opportunity to look at 
to look at that until you until you actually look at it and and address it and 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 heal right and so it's like we're being we're being guided or being drawn into to the point of and sometimes you know as humans it's this funny we have this funny thing where it's like we almost have to enter crisis before we're willing to do any work you know before we're willing to to do the to work with the hard stuff and i think part of the reason and this is part of the reason why i love speaking about this stuff and sharing about it is because i think part of the reason is not that we're not willing but it's just that we don't know how and we're not given the tools so yeah we don't learn this in so school, it brings me back <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We certainly don't. And we don't learn it in our society. You know, we're taught to we're taught to suppress. We're taught to, you know, don't just, you know, look good. <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Hold it together, pull up your bootstraps. You know, that's what we're that's the message that we're given in our in our society. And so don't be and it's obviously not conducive to a healthy. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and what I wanted to say is that it's, you know, it's obviously not conducive to a healthy planet. Like, I really believe that this work, you know, that this healing work, it's like necessary in order to, to turn around what's happening on the planet right now as a whole and, and like have a healthy, thriving earth, you know, and be living in harmony with, you know, with the earth rather than, you know, what our society has been doing, which is taking, 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 right? When we're in a place where we're like resourced within ourselves and feeling centered in ourselves, we take what we need and we give, you know, the rest, we don't, we don't need to take, take so much. So, so, and that's, you know, um, that's like a general sort of humanity thing. So it's, I really believe that this work is, is personal and, but it's also transpersonal. So, but I want to go back to, um, so the three, the three keys, the three steps to, to how, how we actually heal. And did um, you finish the story of your friend? Did I finish the story of her? Yeah. So she, so when we started, so we found that it was, you know, it was the, the pain that she was experiencing in her body was linked to this, this thing that had happened to her in her childhood. And when, you know, when we were able to just, so this is the process that, that I'm, that I'm telling you about, you know, as well as, is these three steps. When we worked with these three steps over a period of time, she was able to actually release that deep core wound and come into, you know, a whole new level of, just like being present and connected within herself and her relationships and her life and feeling her, her potential. And did that help her pain her physical pain? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it, but like way beyond that, you know? So it's like, it's often we think, Oh, it's just, I just need to heal this pain in my neck. But like the potential of, you know, what the body, the body is saying pain in the neck, you know, heal that pain in the neck. But what healing, what happens when we actually work with these core wounds to heal through the, the, what the body is indicating to us we need to do is we not only heal the pain, but we also access a whole new level of, of our being that, mm-hmm. you know, that we may not have even thought was possible before. Yeah. There was, I, I, if I can give a, a, an example of something like that, I went through in that respect. Yeah. I went to a chiropractor. Yeah. I had some pain in my back and she was a very spiritual person and she said, not everybody believes in this, but if you believe in it, she said, I think a lot of pain has to do with emotional trauma or spiritual things that have happened in her life. She said, would you be interested in me trying to help you in that way as well? She says, I'm not going to charge you anything. I just want to see if I can help you. I said, sure, fair enough. So she asked me to close my eyes and then she, um, I can't remember exactly, but she, she asked me to think about the first person that came into my mind, and I think it was my father. And then she said, and what colour is behind him? And I said, it's a light blue. And she explained this was something to do with some emotional 
I can't remember, it's a long time ago. But basically what she was saying was there was something connected to my father that was holding me back from being healed and it was causing back pain. And he had had back pain all his life. He'd had an accident when he was a young man. And so she asked me, so what is this, what's this problem with your father? And I said, there's nothing wrong. I have a great relationship with my father. And she looked at me straight in my eyes and she said, what is the problem with your father? And I said, there's nothing wrong with her. And she asked me a third time. And this time I, I burst, I burst out crying. I burst out crying. Uh-huh. And she said, okay, uh-huh. so what is the problem? And I said, well, you know, my father has, um, I said, it's not something that I've never really thought about, but now that you're pushing me to the point of it, I said, my father has, you know, 10 children. And when he was growing up, you know, when he was raising uh-huh. us, his role was to be the discipliner and he couldn't express his love to us because mm. my mother, my mother would say, you know, she would be home with us. And if we did something wrong, she'd say, wait till your father gets home. He'll give you into trouble. And he would take his, <laughs> and, you know, and so my father came home and my mother would say, this one was bad and this one was bad. And we had to line up in a line and he'd put us over his knee and, and belt us with his belt on our backsides, you know. And wow. I had, I had been thinking about that just a few days before. And I was thinking how sad that was for my father because he loved us to bits. He really did. But he had been given the role as disciplinarian. So when he came home from work, instead of saying, oh, hi, kids, and giving us all a hug, it was like he had to be, we were scared of him. We would hide under the cup, you know, under the stairs or, you know, because we knew, oh, we'd been bad that day. And he, he didn't see us do the bad thing. And maybe it wasn't really such a bad thing. My mother was maybe so stressed out with having 10 kids, you know. And, I'm sure. Yeah. And I thought to myself, how sad it was that he couldn't, he wasn't given the permission to love us the way he wanted to love us. Do, do you know what I mean? And yeah. so this chiropractor, she said, okay, I want you to take this pillow, she took a pillow out of the cupboard. I want you to take this pillow and hug it and pretend it's your father and tell him you love him. I said, you better give me two pillows because he's quite a big guy. <laughs> you know? So she gives, <laughs> she gives me the two pillows and, um, I'm hugging this pillow and I feel really stupid. I feel really stupid, you know. And she says, hug the pillow, hug the pillow and tell tell him that you love him. So I'm hugging this pillow and I start to cry. And I says, oh, dad, I love you. And I know that you loved us. And I know that you you didn't mean to be the disciplinarian, you know, like I know that you wanted to, to cuddle us and, and tell us you loved us and things like this. But that, you know, that was, they had set out roles from the beginning of their married life and that was it, you know. And... The crazy thing was, and then she said to me, okay, for the next seven days, I want you to hug your pillow or two pillows and tell your dad every night before you go to sleep, tell your dad that you love him and that you forgive him for anything that he's done in the past. So I did this and that, you know, I, I was thinking that good thoughts would come up, all the good memories. But actually in the beginning, the first few days, I think two, two or three days, all that came up were small niggly things that he'd done that had irritated me or, or upset me or, you know, like if um we had got into a fight with one of my sisters and the sister had started it, but my dad had blamed me for it, you know, and I, all that kind of rubbish was coming up. And I thought, this is silly. The woman is meant to, uh, told me that I should love my dad and, and you know, and but then on the third night, at the third or the fourth night, happy memories started coming up and it was like, I was getting, it was like all this rubbish was getting thrown out, you know. And at the end of the seven days, it was, I had every night when I was thinking this, it was really all these happy, happy, small memories that I'd forgotten about, basically, were coming up from my memory. 
Beautiful. And the 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 strange thing was, you know, I, I I had a very good relationship with my father, but whenever I I I was living in England at the time, and my parents lived in, in Glasgow in Scotland, and I would phone every month or so, and every time I phoned, if my father answered the phone, he he would automatically say, "Wait, and I'll get your mother." He he just mm. it wasn't he didn't mm. want to talk to me. It just was presumed yeah. that I would speak to my mother, and my mother would tell yeah. him about the conversation, you know, which always kind yeah. of bugged me because it was like as if I felt as if he doesn't want to talk to me but that wasn't the the case it was just roles that had been set out you know so on the eighth day I phoned my parents and my father answered the phone and he said hi Pauline how are you and we had a conversation (gasps) Wow! and I was like yeah what is going on and I thought that really must have worked and then of course after the conference and at the the first I thought well maybe my mum's not in the house you know that's why he's having the conversation (laughs) so then after we'd been been talking for about 10 minutes he said oh hold on I'll get your mum and it was like oh my goodness and so Mm. the next time I went to the chiropractor she said how did that work and I told her the story and she went "Mm, now you see Mm. and my relationship Mm. with my father has you know, it's always been good, but this was like, it, it, it blossomed after that. It became, and every, every single time I phoned after that, we would have a conversation. So that isn't, is isn't that such amazing? a beautiful story. Yeah. That is such a beautiful story. Yeah. And, you know, it's exactly, this is exactly the process that, that, um, that, that I work with as well, you know, and that, that, that has been my healing process too. So many, yeah, I could tell you so many stories like that of, of that that's and so it's like and it's funny because it's like yeah you said like you feel kind of silly hugging the pillows right but you know what's happening there is actually you're rewiring you're rewiring your system you're rewiring your nervous system and the connection your those neuronal connections in the brain right to like feel that love for your dad and to start to bring up those that it's like we're changing we go back and we 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 change the story so it's almost like you can think of, you know, like if we have, if you had a, a recipe box and it's like your recipe box, when you start doing this work is full of sto- of recipes of trauma or of, you know, of, of situations where, you know, yeah, like you got hit by your dad instead of being able to, instead of loving him or, you know, or, and being able to connect or, you know, you weren't heard or you weren't seen or, you know, whatever it is, the recipe box is full of those things. And what happens as we start to do this work is it's almost like that recipe box gets emptied out and we start to, to fill it with the new recipes of, you know, I'm safe and I can be heard and I have a voice. And, and then what happens is you start to realize, you know, as you're digging through that recipe box, you start to realize, oh, there's some recipes in there. Actually, they're quite good. You know, like you were saying, after the fourth after the fourth day, how the, you started to remember those experiences that were actually like really positive, beautiful connection with your dad, right? So those stories are in there. It's just that, you know, they can be getting over, overridden by, you know, the big, the recipe that's in marker, <laughs> big felt marker, and, you know, maybe that one's penciled in. And so, so it gets, but so we start to strengthen those, those stories of, you know, of uh, things being more positive for, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, so that's a big part. That's a big part. And that, that would actually be uh, step three on the, the healing process that I work with. And of course, you know, the process, it's not a, it's a nonlinear process. So, you know, when I'm in session with clients, it's, it's, you know, each session, my role is to get fully present with where they're at and, you know, check out what, what feels safe for, for them each day, because it's going to be different, right? And so to just hold that space right where, 
right where you are at that time, you know, right where we are. Uh-huh. And, so, um, um, Josie, we're running out of time for this. Uh, yeah, this we want to wrap up. Yeah. Um, is there one simple thing that people can do who are just beginning their journey of healing, you know, and getting more connected to the wisdom of their bodies? Yeah. Well, what I would like to do is actually bring people through a full exercise. So that would be a great thing to do in the next in the call next week. Oh, yes, we're going to have a we, Josie has so much information to, to partake. So we're going to <laughs> have two interviews. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so if people want to keep in touch with you or contact you, if they want to make a session with you and mm-hmm. they would, how, how would they get in contact with you? Yeah. So, so for those of you who feel, you know, who feel some kind of connection with what I've shared with you today and who feel like you might be ready to, to do a little bit more work in that area and to have some support, I'd love to invite you to sign up for a three, a free 30 minute, what I call reclaim your birthright session with me. And so one of the things you'll experience in this session is a very clear prioritization of what you need to create in your life, not just in terms of what you want to do or what you want to have, but in terms of how you want to feel, right? Because, you know, fundamentally, it's not doing or having that makes us happy, right? It's feeling, experiencing and being. Yeah. So in this session, we work to get crystal clear about what you need to create in your being from the inside out in in order to really heal and, and to be able to feel amazing in your body. And um, for some of you, that might feel like a stretch to even think of feeling amazing in your body at this point. But I just I want you to know that it's totally possible no matter where you're at right now. And yeah, having a vision of where we want to get to is so critical, you know, to making the journey. Our vision is, is like a map. And without it, we can tend to just go around in circles. And so the purpose of the session is to help you get really clear about your vision of what it would look like to really reclaim yourself, you know, your joy, your vitality, and your natural state of well-being. And it'll also be an opportunity to find out if it would be a fit for us to work together more. But if it's not a fit, that's totally okay. There's no obligation and, and we'll part as friends. And so I've opened up a few spots in my calendar over the next couple of weeks. And of course, those spots are limited because my time is limited. But uh, if you feel really called, then I'd encourage you to uh, jump on. We've got a link for you and Pauline, you're going to post that link below the podcast. I, I will. That, I will. I'll, I'll, right? I'll, we... I'll put it in the podcast notes. But if you can just tell us online now, in case people sure. don't get a chance, get to the yeah, podcast totally. Notes. So mm-hmm. yeah, so if you'd like to, I can give you a direct link to my calendar, and the link to that is www.meetme.meetme.com so dot so forward slash radiant health vision so that's r a d i a n t h e a l t h vision v i s i o n and shall i just read that one more time the whole yeah, thing uh-huh. i'll read it out to you that's www.meetme dot so slash radiant health vision ah, they can hear it with a canadian accent and a scottish accent <laughs> <laughs> perfect but they can awesome. also read it in the the podcast notes and great so for that they would they'd be able to book a 30 minute session with you to see if you're yeah, a good so fit through that link they can mm-hmm. 
Yeah, through that link, they can direct, directly book a, a session. Okay, wonderful. And in our next episode, Josie will come back again and she will talk about how to rewire your nervous system as adults to reclaim your birthright of joy, vitality and well-being. So thank you very much for being with us today, Josia. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. <laughs> having <And> I, me. <laughs> oh, I know the feeling of being like in two minds about something. <laughs> so as usual, I we I'm have... I am your audience so much. I'm like, <laughs> we're all here. <laughs> okay. So as usual, we have to let our listeners know we are not giving out medical advice. If you want medical advice, please go to your medical practitioner. And we'll see you the next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Menopause Morph, your time to change. If you've enjoyed the program, be sure to subscribe to the next one and please leave a rating and review on iTunes to help us spread the message about thriving through the menopause. To get a free ebook, more menopausal resources, and to connect with Pauline, please visit www.menopausemorph.com. Thank you.